Welcome, everybody, to Nonprofit Chat version uh, 4 on February 14th, Valentine's Day. Russell David Dennis, uh, he's a distinguished gentleman in Denver, Colorado, and one of the few people I've ever known that's got three first names. But you hide behind this demure front. You're, you really got a lot, lot of uh, experience. I mean, you got a big engine under the hood of this car, and the more, um, the more he talks, the more he shares information, the more I go, wow, wow. So I ask um, Russ if he would come on tonight's uh, chat. This is a, a hybrid between a hangout, interview with thought leaders, and a conversation about nonprofit themes. And we go between 30 to an hour, sometimes 45, and we, we – talk about some major themes, we capture it and we put it out on the internet, both on Twitter chats and on video. And we'd love to have people come back at us with a two-way conversation. So I've asked Russ to present. Now, this is about, well, we started, started a nonprofit, and now what? So what's the title that you're going to talk about tonight, Russ? Well, we're going to talk about uh, once you've decided you want to start a nonprofit, there's some steps that you need to take. And uh, that's generally what we're going to talk about. Uh, and there's seven things. The first one is that you assemble your team. Before you go uh, there, before you yeah. go there, you're singing my song. I'm already excited. You gave us a little teaser. Tell people a little bit about you. Um, we don't need your life history, but a little bit about your experience. You've worked in several really important positions, and they had to do with funding, too. And there, there's uh, Renee and her team out there in uh, Salt Lake City. Welcome. Yeah. Well, for those of you that haven't met me, I'm Russell Dennis. Uh, I uh, have uh, 12 years of community and economic development experience uh, that I gained working for the Aroostook Band of Micmacs, a federally recognized Indian tribe after 11 years in the Air Force. Uh, I did have a buffer job between those where I sold advertising and worked with small businesses. Uh, before my 11 years in the Air Force, I was in marketing. I was uh, two years at Market Research Services, uh, conducting interviews, doing focus groups. And the reason that I'm in Denver, Colorado, is that I came out to take a job with the Internal Revenue Service Small Business Self-Employed Division as an auditor. And so that's what my last life was. Uh, brief stint, had to recover from cancer, so that cut my uh, IRS career short. And when I bounced back, I found myself in CEO space in the National tried a couple of projects, a couple of other businesses that didn't uh, move me, and I went back to what I love, and that's helping people uh, in the nonprofit arena. So I've worked with housing programs, education programs, workforce development programs, uh, in, done project research projects for clean energy and among other things. And so that's where I got my start and cut my teeth uh, in the nonprofit arena. Good for you. Now, you've um, written a number of papers in Seven This, Seven That, and we'll let people wonder. They're all around empowering leaders who are running charities. And this particular one has, uh, I think, a special interest to a lot of people I talk to. So okay. I so rudely interrupted you, but now that we've got people's attention, why don't you proceed with talking about these seven things that you need to do 
when you're starting a nonprofit? Well, yeah, basically, uh, just to give you a quick rundown of the seven things that you need to do once you have decided that that's the route that you want to go, uh, the first thing is to assemble your team. So your team would be your board members, your advisors, and any volunteers uh, that you would get. And these are people that are like-minded with values and vision, and they have the same goals that you have. And uh, hopefully what you do is you assemble people who have complementary skills. Uh, part of that assemblage is looking at your skills, looking at the skills of your team, looking at the skills that you need. So a lot of people make the mistake of going out and, uh, well, it's not really a mistake to go out and get people that you know, like, and trust. But if everybody has the same skill set and you're missing some skills, like maybe uh, let's just take accounting or budgeting for an example. If nobody on your team has that skill, then it's going to be tough to put programs together and figure out what you need to gather for resources. So you assemble people with good, with like vision and like goals and uh, make that skills inventory, look at the expertise that you need, recruit for the expertise that you need and people who are in alignment with what it is that you're trying to accomplish. That's the important things because you need that team in place to do the other pieces. Now, the second thing that you would do is create a framework for success. And it's almost like a miniature strategic plan. So you look at where you are and how you're going to approach uh, getting the resources that you need. What sort of resources do you need? Uh, you want to figure out who else in the nonprofit arena in your area is actually providing the services that you're looking to provide. One thing you want to do is, is look at filling a gap in the services. Uh, is there something out there that other nonprofits are not doing? Uh, who's doing similar work? And you want to almost, it's almost like a competitive analysis. It's looking at the landscape and seeing who else is out there. Because if you're competing for the same dollars, it'll be a little trickier to get people to collaborate with you. But if you're doing something that's unique that nobody else is doing, that presents an opportunity. And if you don't have all of the skill sets that you need within your own organization at this point, you can look at these other people who are working in the same pay, play, uh, space and see if they've got similar values, similar goals. That way you can have a conversation and make the decision as to whether they might make good collaborative partners and see if they've got complementary skills that you're missing you may have skills that they're missing too. So you're looking at this framework, it's just looking at the market, you are looking at goals that you set, you're looking at what things that you wanna do first. Uh, out of this, you'll come up with uh, a, a business plan and a plan to go for those resources you want most. And you wanna take care of things that you can do with the resources you have on hand. In business terms, they call that a minimum viable product. But you want to get out there and make an impact. And it's not always easy to come up with everything. In the perfect world, you go out with all your policies and everything. Uh, that won't necessarily happen. 
this new organization, what you want to do is have some resources and some people that you identified that have a problem to go out there and solve it and put together a string of successes, even small ones. It's just getting a string of successes so that you build a track record and you catch the eye of different funders. So the third thing you do is you engage you know, uh, licensed professionals. That would be attorneys and accountants who can advise you. And this is pretty critical because uh, you want to do all the legal filings. You want to do them correctly. Uh, you want to make sure that it's done in a way that uh, keeps you in compliance. And so uh, they can set up your records. They can set up your books and uh, all of these types of things. Now, you can do these filings yourself, but if you get people to have experience at doing it, it's unlikely that you're going to miss things. And one of the things that a lot of people miss when they're starting their nonprofits is to do what we call the fundraising registration in the states where you plan to raise money. And if you're planning to raise money in all 50, technically you should be registered in all 50. And uh, just a note on that, uh, right now the IRS is dealing with shrinking budgets and uh, so there may not be as much enforcement on the federal level. But now the states are hungry for revenue. And uh, you may see some of the states starting to look a little bit more closely at nonprofits and looking at taking some enforcement actions. So if you're not quite where you need to be, it's important to get there. Well, and those are wise words, and you have seen it from the other side. Uh, people are joining us, joining in on Facebook. We're talking to Russell Dennis, um, who's got a background in working in charities to help them raise funds, and he's also worked with the IRS uh, doing small business audits, so he knows what kind of compliance things are important. And Russ, the things you're talking about are um, things that really need to be in place. So um, you're you and I resonate so much so far. So let's go on with this. Uh, these people that you're going to surround yourself with. We call these consultants, coaches. Uh, what do you call these people? Well, we call them, uh, we call them uh, what you want are trusted advisors. Mm -hmm. These are people that are just going to make sure that you've got everything in place that you need to have in place. And they're going to guide you through the process. They'll, uh, and, if you, have, if you can afford it, you want to have these folks do the filings. They're just going to come out right. Uh, you'll have different fees at the state level. But to make sure that all of your books are in order, uh, these people can help you put your policies together. One thing that's important from a financial standpoint is good stewardship of the money. So they'll be looking at things like internal controls. Uh, separation of duties and who's handling the money versus who's recording the money and uh, setting that up in a way that prevents any uh, pilferage or theft or embezzlement. And so that's pretty important too. Uh, they will also be able to help you see if you're realistic in your budget estimations and, and in what things cost. Uh, that's one of the areas that a lot of people struggle with. Uh, some of my clients, I had one on the phone today, and we've been trying to hammer out a budget for 2017, and she's just got happy feet. She's got to go when we start talking about numbers and plugging them into the spreadsheet because the work's exciting, but the numbers are not so sexy. But 
you know, nonprofits are like any other uh, any other company. You've got a tax status, not for profit and for profit. And the same rule applies. You know, if there's more money going out than coming in over a sustained period of time, you're going to close your doors. So that's important to keep uh, keep uh, in the forefront of imagination. There. Uh, thing number four is that you want to contact the IRS and all of your, your state officials and order all of the documents that you need to file uh, to submit the corporate filings. You want to establish a corporation uh, while you're waiting to uh, get that tax status. So, But if you have your professional advisors that are there to do that for you, they can order all of that stuff and you won't have to to worry about it because there are a lot of materials. Uh, you'll have your forms and instructions. Uh, you also will need to draft articles of incorporations and appoint a registered agent, uh, do your fundraising registration, which I've already mentioned, and a few other things. The other place that these folks can help you is in preparing your bylaws, which is the fifth thing that you do. And your bylaws really lay out how you go about running the organization, who has responsibilities, uh, how you go about starting things, how you dissolve the organization, responsibilities of the board of directors and, and elections, how you handle that. Uh, so those are all important. So <clears throat> item six is to order the IRS material. There are a lot of publications that they have uh, you will need an employee identification number. Now, the one form I want to emphasize here with the Internal Revenue Service is what you call the Form 1023. That's the actual application that you'll use to perform the narrative and write in all your budget numbers. Uh, there's two things that that document can do for you. It's an opportunity to talk more uh, completely about what it is that you want to try to do. A lot of people look at it as a long form. It has a lot of schedules, but only certain schedules are going to apply to you. And it's really going to be based on the type of nonprofit that you start. They have a new form. Well, it's not really new, but they're using what you call a 1023 EC. And that's for smaller nonprofits that are going to start anticipating revenues that first year of under $50,000. It's a lot easier to fill out. There's not much information that needs to go into it. But what you really want to do is to think things through before you start. And the more information you have out there, the better. Because as you get toward the end of that first year and you're filing the tax return, people look at uh, the nonprofit tax reform as the form uh, 990. And it's an opportunity for you to give people a lot of information about who you are, what you do. Uh, the more information people have about you, the more comfort they have. And they'll go to a place like GuideStar or non, uh, Charity Navigator to find information. And what they essentially have are these 990s. So the more complete your information is, the more confident that the donors are going to have in you. So you, you, you want to fill that longer form out. I know it's, uh, it's a little bit more tedious, but that's where that advisor comes in to help you. Uh, and there are some other things that you'll apply for. You'll apply for an employer identification number. 
Uh, you can actually do that online. You don't even have to have the paper form. There's a way to do that online. Uh, some of the publications the IRS has, uh, there's Pub uh, 557, Tax Exempt Status for Your Organization. Uh, 4220 is applying for 501c3 tax exempt status. And uh, Pub 4221PC is the compliance guide for nonprofit charities. Um, and the, the, the last thing you want to do is set up your corporate record book where you keep minutes. Uh, you probably do that when you back a couple of steps where you set up the, the, uh, the corporation when you set it up with Secretary of State. But you need to have that minute book set up so that you can capture the information that you have in your board meetings. Your board is responsible for your board of directors, I should say, is responsible for your compliance for your organization. So you're going to want to document and record everything. You need resolutions for all sorts of things, including bank accounts, uh, how you go about handling the money, duties. Uh, there's a great deal, but those are essentially the first seven things that you do uh, when you set up a nonprofit. And if it sounds like it's a lot, that's because uh, I'm afraid it is a lot. Well, and and you're a man of experience. You've done this, and you've helped people on the other side, and you've probably find people that are delinquent in all those categories. Not maybe oh, really? put in the right, or maybe not don't have the sufficient systems in place to fully achieve the vision and mission of your organization. So let's go back and I've posted some questions out there on Twitter and uh, relevant to what you talked about. These are, Russ, this is really good stuff. It's very basic stuff. It's very basic stuff that people don't know. And even um, there's a group here that's been in business for a while. Um, if we're not keeping good records and you go to do an audit, then there's just there's a lot of problems that you know, everybody's confused and it doesn't serve the organization well not to have um, those documents for the tax audit. But if that happens or if somebody decides they don't like you and want to sue you, then you could lose your corporate veil protection and all the board members could be liable. So it's really important to keep those records up to date. I'm going to, I'm going to go through some of these and highlight some questions and anybody on Twitter, Facebook, if you want to respond to any of them, um, what types of people do we want on your board of directors? I'm going to ask you that, but uh, anybody want to talk, then unmute yourself and talk. I believe everybody on the line is muted, but if you want to weigh in on some, some comments, what type of people do you want on your board of directors, Russ? Well, you're looking for people who have a passion for the mission and who have very similar values to the ones that you have so that you've got some alignment. Uh, that's not to say that everybody agrees on every single thing, but your overarching values and goals are the same. And you'll want to, to look for people who have skills that you need, whether that's expertise in law or finance, accounting, uh, any areas that you need expertise in, uh, you look for people with those sorts of skill sets. Great. So, yeah. Um, um, hello, Angela Minky Baloo up there in, Cape Cod, Katuit, Mass. We're talking about um, all the things we have to do for nonprofits, Russell Dennis, and there's a couple other people who just joined. Um, we're talking about um, boards, boards, uh, church boards, community foundation boards, association boards, anybody that runs a tax-exempt 
I captured what you said that nonprofit is a tax status and I added to it. It's not a philosophy how you run the organization. You, at the end of the day, it's a business that's got to have positive cash flow because you need to pay salaries, you need to pay the rent, you need to provide programs and services for the people that you support. And we're, whether it's a church or a synagogue or a charity, a cause-based charity, we're, we're, and you just pointed out, you want people on your board that support your cause. We're, we're gathered around a philosophy and a purpose. And it's, it's, it's surprising to me how many people can't define the why of their organization. Why should I be a part of this? We're not very good at that. We're also not good. You talked about our, our, our values, um, defining core values. I find very few people can say what they are. When I, when I do a planning for a group that's been operating for a while, especially church group, I have people pair off in twos and they tell a story about what time in my life did belonging to this church add something of value to my life? What impacted my life? Or was there somebody in the organization that impacted my life? And then we start thinking about what is that value? We're, we're, we're here because we have these values that we support together and if that value wasn't there, we're out of here. <laughs> and so, and so um, uh, it's really good to do that work around the, the second piece, which is I want to, before I go to the second piece and ask about strategy, I want to see if you got any more pieces to add, but uh, anybody um, on the Zoom want to ask another question or have a, a point about board members that you want to illuminate? Russ, can I go to the next one or you have more to say on people? Well, just one more thing as far as you board members, it's important what types of networks and relationships that those folks have, too, to help garner support. Uh-huh. So that's another thing to consider. And we think just because we ask people to be on the board, they shouldn't be donors, but that's a mistake. The board members should be donors. Otherwise, how can they ask people for money if they're not willing to give money? Give your time, your talent, and your money. So you mentioned in your second point, that um, having a framework around this, like it's a mini strategy. Yeah. It, we all march off to the war, but we don't have any, any alignment. So the question is, why is it important to develop that strategy for your charity? Well, you know, the first piece of that framework is really figuring out, okay, what is the problem that we're solving and being crystal clear about that? Because you can't be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a broad mission like eliminating hunger, that's pretty broad. Uh, and you have to, to break it down into manageable chunks and work from your strengths. So you want to define what it is that you're solving, who you're doing it for, and kind of be clear on that. Uh, next piece is to look at who else is is out there doing the same thing. What sort of solutions are out there? That's where you look for people to connect with. And that's where you get your unique position. What's unique? What's different about what you're doing? So that's really important to identify. But as you get in the strategy, uh, you're inventorying what you have for assets and what you need. And what problem can you solve? What are some of the small victories? Uh, what are some manageable chunks to the larger goal that you want to accomplish that you can do with the resources that you have on hand right now? And so those are some important things to look at early. 
Those are all important. And, mm-hmm. and I've read somewhere that half of the nonprofits that are formed every year will go out of business, will close up, even with money in the bank, because they haven't looked at the options. You know, they start this with a passion, but then they realize there's a bunch of other people doing the same stuff. So yeah. looking at the options out there, what are the, what are the other opportunities for people? And then uh, it's sort of, here's a problem. A lot of us are solving a problem mm-hmm. uh, and we have a solution, but we haven't looked at the alternatives out there. So that's that one you said is important, but I wanted to highlight that's very important. So thank you for highlighting that piece of it. Um, any more about uh, strategy? Anybody have questions on the line? Um, Facebook, you can, you can put a comment in there if you want. Everybody's kind of quiet tonight. Either you're doing, you're doing a great job. You just you're just covering it. You, well, you're, you're taking the right size information and you're doing it right, Russ. So I appreciate that about you. Yeah. So let's go on to three. You ready to go on to three? You want to say more about uh, strategy and board? I, I want to point out in your strategy, you're going to list the competencies you need because you know what you're going to accomplish. So right there, you're going to say, okay, here's what these people I've got are going to do, and I'll need some more people. So in your strategy, that's the engagement piece because people now know what to do. Absolutely. And, you know, I would say, you know, out of that strategy documents, two things you want to come up with, even if they're they're rough and they're ongoing, because you're going to be using what I call rolling budgets. Mm -hmm. But you want to have a fundraising plan where you look at trying to get a diverse pool of funds that are available to you. You want to come up with a fundraising plan and what I call an engagement plan. And I'll be talking a little bit about that tomorrow night uh, on the Nonprofit Culture Success uh, Meetup. Uh, and that would be creating what I call win-win-win scenarios. And that means that there's something in it and you understand what's in it for the people that work with you internally, whether that's staff, volunteers, and boards. You want them to win. You want winning propositions for the people that you're delivering the service to, and you want a winning proposition for the people who are paying for those services. So it's really just kind of customer segmentation to to kind of put it short, uh, because you want to find out what's most important to them. And as you're crafting programs that you you, uh, want to provide with your nonprofit, one of the biggest mistakes I've seen people make is they they create these lovely problems uh, programs, but they haven't talked to the people they intend to have use the service. And they've got these wonderful programs up there and, and nobody shows up. So if you don't do enough homework up front to make sure that you're serving the people that you that need some services, you got to serve them in the way they want to be served so that you're more successful at delivering the program and you're, you're actually delivering the impact that you intend to make. You sent me a link earlier today and it's in my email and I closed it so it wouldn't ding while we were talking. It's um, the smart member link. Does it start with Russell.smartmember? Do you have that on your tip of your tongue? I'm going to type it in here. Uh, I'm just uh, it's R. D. Dennis dot smart member dot uh, okay okay can you type it in yeah okay that'd be great well i'll I'll do the question then if you want to also type in where that um that that live event is tomorrow night we will um 
post it up and I'll post it with a video and maybe some people will come to see you again. Uh, there it is. rddennis.smartmember.com. That's the, okay. That's, that's, that's a course link. Uh, I think people should know about that. You've, you've put all this brilliance into a course and uh, it's, it's, you're doing a beta launch of it now, but you're going to have it up for a while. Yeah. Uh, the four steps to building the high performance nonprofit. Now we cover all of these things in a nutshell where we take a 30,000 foot view and run through all of the things you want to look at to run your nonprofit effectively. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty good. The information's there. If you click on that, there's an intro video that's about four minutes. Uh, it'll tell you all about that. Uh, and that's what we do. I also, uh, and I'm working on my new calendar link. I've got my domain, but I did not uh, get it connected before uh, we, uh, we came on. So... I'll put uh, it in. I'll put it in the replay. So if you want to, okay. I'll put it in the replay. What is it okay. going to be? What's it going to be? But that link is for anybody that would like to have a, a, a thirty-minute discovery session with me to talk specifically about your project, uh, and we'll see if there's some ideas I can offer you that will be helpful in getting where you need to get to. And and just to point out, Russ has been is the first person that's certified as a Center Vision Leadership Foundation, what we call a Wayfinder. It's the um, it's a different model than the consultant model, and I will try not to be an insultant and go there. But it's uh, Russ is 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 um, well steeped in the methodology that I've pioneered and for thirty years and works, and he's a champion for that. And so, when you get that link working, what will it be? Oh, okay. the, cal the yeah. calendar link. Just tell me. Um, and we'll tell them later. I'll put it in later. Okay. Well, it's this week's. Uh, no, your uh, your 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 calendar link. Oh, my calendar link. Uh, it's uh, russcalendar.com. That's original. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder where that came from. <laughs> All right. So you'll get it linked over. So if people want you. You can just say so go to Russ I'll, Calendar. I'll get that linked over. Uh, let me put the address. This is kind of a long address for for the meetup. If you just kind of copy that and put right. it on the note, you can click on it and RSVP, or you can just uh, just come in. Um, what I should have done was put the Zoom link in there because this is this is another it's another Zoom meeting, and okay. I love this platform. We do it by Zoom so that I can interact with folks and. It's and, a great one. And just and as you mentioned that, we're going to, uh, in the future, we're going to do this as a webinar. And so people on the, on the uh, call won't be visible, but you can certainly chat and it will simulcast out to Facebook with the pictures and to uh, YouTube. So let me, um, we'll be on the, the final wrap up of this. What are the qualities you talked about these advisors and there's all kinds of advisors and uh, what are the qualities that are important when you're bringing on consultants or advisors? Well, you, you want somebody that's going to take the time to understand what it is that you're trying to do before they spend a lot of time trying to tell you how to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, the most successful people I know aren't the ones that have all the answers. They're the people that ask the best questions. And so you, know, you want somebody that understands uh, what it is that are their strong suits are, uh, they will tell you where they can help you, where they can't. Uh, if there's somebody better, they they 
they kind of walk the talk. It's important for me, for example, to, to work on those things that I have strengths in. And I have things that are not necessarily my strength, but I have people in my network that I bring in and I have a team to make sure that you get all of the things that you need. And if there's somebody that's better suited, I know other people too. And so my goal is to help nonprofits. I chose to target smaller ones and most consultants won't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's important to, to find somebody out there that's had some experience. Uh, they'll have a few people that you can talk to. Uh, they will sit there and, and, and work to give you some value uh, before they ask you for anything. Uh, so that's, those are people that it's important to work with. So they know what they, they can do and what they can't do. That's a great answer. Yeah. Great answer. Thank you. I, I like that last point. People that give you value before you hire them. Love that. Love that. Um, um, I'll also ask who you worked with lately. And would you give me three people I can talk to about your work? And I always say to the person, would you hire them again? Mm -hmm. And I I don't care what you did 20 years ago for IBM. I want to know what you did this last year and what the progress was. So I think there's, there's, there's things to explore there. Um, So we, on the last question, we've already touched on it, but let's see if there's any more details. Your corporate record book, we can go to one of the office supply stores and get a regular corporate record book, right? And then it has some guidelines for what goes, goes in there. Well, you, you can do that, but we, there's other people uh, in, in, that I know. I mean, Aaron Young uh, and Laughlin Associates actually set up my book for me. And uh, so that's something that you, if you have a trusted advisor to help you do, it's going to be done right. You can order the materials from an office supply store. That's true. But to make sure that you have everything in there, the type of meetings that you need to have, your trusted advisor will be able to tell you what you need to do from that very first meeting. Uh, There are a few things like Robert's Rules of Order. A lot of people are a lot less formal. So it's really up to you. But what's important is that you have essential types of resolutions in there. For example, a banking resolution to establish bank accounts or resolutions regarding how you're going to handle your funds, your reserves. These things are important. And the, the one thing about a corporate minute book, whether you're a for-profit or a non-profit organization, that, that was the, one of the first items I asked for when I was going in to do a corporate audit. I'd like to see your minute book because uh, that's where things germinate. That's where they're originally seeded as far as major decisions on how to go about doing things and any discussions on compliance. That stuff will be in the, in the corporate minute book. Uh, purchase of fixed assets or uh, taking on loans or anything of that type would be in that corporate minute book. So it's really important from a compliance standpoint and from a history standpoint, because you want to have a succession plan. And every so often, you'll have a complete turnover of the board. You lose that original knowledge that you had. And that minute book is that continuity that you have. 
so that you can see where the organization started and where it's going. I think that's great. Russell Dennis, um, I'm going to see if there's any questions. We're going to sign off here. I think we've, you've done a superb job. Some people use a lot more words and they don't cover as much territory, but you've covered a lot of territory and had very, very efficient use of words. So I commend you for that. Um, anybody on the, on the live Twitter want to make a comment or have another question for us before we sign off here? They're all very quiet tonight. Yes, they're awful, awfully quiet today. It kind of makes me nervous when you that quiet a little bit. But, but yeah, you know, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping that you all find that useful. And, of course, uh, I'm here at your disposal. Uh, I haven't had a chat with – well, Leah and I had a chat uh, once. Uh, we haven't caught up to see how things are going. And hopefully all is going well. Because she's got a phenomenal project, uh, and there's a lot of need out there. And uh, that was one of the jobs I forgot to mention at the time I spent in child development services. It was a contract position that lasted about a year, but, boy, what an education. And, and I had no idea that I would, would talk at length about that. But I got to share that, that uh, experience with Leah, and I hope that was helpful. And... Uh, yeah, so. I've got her muted. Hang on. Now you're unmuted. Say yes. it again. It was very helpful. Thank you. And things are going well. Good for you. Good for you. Well, Russell, Russell Dennis, uh, thank you. Uh, we've had people all over the place tonight. Thank you for sharing your wealth of information. Um, by the way, one of these nights, I won't be here and Russell will be the host. Um, he's a very qualified host. So if he, uh, if he shows up instead of me, you might notice. Um, but be nice to him. Kind of hard to tell us apart, except my hair is a little darker. That's the only thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Love you, man. You take care. I'll, I'll wear my kilt so that we still have that Scottish looking feel. Uh, <laughs> okay. Blessings. Blessings. Thanks, everyone. Have a good night. All right. Bye bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.